Our text tonight comes from Mark chapter 14, verses 12 through 25. If you happen to be using one of our pew Bibles, you will find that on page uh, 850. Let's pray and we'll read together. <clears throat> Father, we come tonight as we celebrate Monday, Thursday, as we celebrate uh, the gift you have given us of uh, the Lord's Supper, and as we now turn uh, to this passage in Mark where we read of you giving that gift to us, um, even on the night of your betrayal, the night before your death, you were giving good gifts to your disciples, giving good gifts to us. So we thank you. We pray even right now that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to know that we might see you. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mark 14, 12 through 25. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say to one another, Is it I? And he said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord, it's given to us for our good and for His glory. Uh, we come this evening to uh, the text of the Lord's Supper. We, we read here of a meal, um, an incredibly important meal. Um, I was thinking of uh, an, another meal, a literary meal. Some of you will have uh, seen the movie Babette's Feast, which was based on a book, a short story, by Isaac Dennison of the same name. It takes place in Denmark. Uh, at the turn of the 19th century. And it's uh, this sort of forbidding, forbidden landscape. Uh, it is, uh, and it's about these two sisters that, that grow up part of a very strict religious sect of which their father is the pastor. And long after he passes away, uh, they, along with uh, just a handful of other people in the city who are followers of this man, uh, continue to get together and to meet. But throughout the movie, it's pervaded by grays and darkness. Um, uh, until w- one day, there's a, um, a French woman, a refugee, who, who arrives there and looks for work and comes to these two sisters to work as their housekeeper. 
And she begins to cook for them and, and clean for them. And she makes what use she can of uh, the, the ubiquitous food there, which is this, this dried fish that's left out and has to be, uh, has to be kind of thawed out in a, in a soup. And it's, it's, that's kind of all they have to eat. So for 15 years, she does this until she gets news that she wins the lottery back in France. She had a friend back in France who would continue to enter the lottery for her each year, and she won. And she won 10,000 francs, and she was now a rich woman. And what she wants to do now is to share some of that with these women she works for and with their small church as they're celebrating the 100th anniversary of the founder of their church. And so they, um, she, she asked if, they, if she can serve them a meal, a real French meal. So she goes and she buys the supplies for this meal, and they, they come into the city. And uh, people watch as they come, and they're just entranced and wondering what she is up to. And she holds herself away in the kitchen, and she prepares this incredibly elaborate uh, French cuisine feast for the people of this church. And they gather together for this dinner. There's about 12 of them. And she feeds them this meal, and as they eat this incredibly rich food, and drink these rare and expensive wines and begin to enjoy this meal together, you see something begin to thaw. And over the course of the meal, you see people who have been, though in the same religious community together, they have been at odds and estranged for years upon years, and they begin to laugh and to smile and to look at one another again. And the whole room begins to experience something of this deep and almost spiritual joy in the midst of this beautiful meal. And the author is reaching back into this idea that there is something that can transform us in community, something that's centered around a meal. Well, our story this evening, our text this evening, is uh, the meal of all meals. When Jesus inaugurates this dinner, this meal that he shares with his disciples. Now the context is a Passover dinner. It was the yearly celebration of the Jewish people as they remembered God's rescuing of their people from the land of Egypt. And they remember the night when God came and brought the final plague among the people of Egypt. The plague by which the firstborn of every household was put to death unless... That family, as God had warned his people, the Israelites, unless that family uh, had sacrificed a lamb and sprinkled the blood of the lamb over the doorposts of their house, in which case the destroying angel would come and pass over their house. Because he saw the blood of the lamb, he would not come and require the blood of the firstborn. And so they had, they experienced being passed over. In God's favor. And so yearly they would celebrate this feast together. And that is the context of Jesus' feast with his disciples. But even as he celebrates this um, Passover dinner, he transforms it. And he begins to do something new and different with it. Do you notice that one of the weightiest things that Jesus does and shares with his people happens around the context of something as ordinary and even as earthy as a meal. 
Because Christianity is uh, rooted in the real stuff of life. We worship a God who came in the flesh, who gave us communion over a meal, who promised resurrection of our real bodies. Christianity is a religion not about breathing some sort of rarefied spiritual air, but it has everything to do with the very mundane, the very physicality of our lives, and it can be celebrated even over something as simple as a meal. But there's something missing from this Passover meal, at least in the way Mark describes it to us and in what he highlights for us. Think about what he speaks of here. He speaks he speaks of a of bread that is broken. And he speaks of a cup that is poured. And though they would have likely had this at their meal, notice that the one thing he doesn't mention, the one thing that would have been absolutely integral to a Passover meal, was the lamb. The lamb that had been sacrificed. The, the lamb that was the very reason the people of Israel were there because they had been spared because of the blood of the lamb. Where is the lamb? Tim Keller writes, What kind of Passover would be celebrated without lamb? There was no lamb on the table because the lamb of God was at the table. That even at this dinner, Jesus himself, who had come to be the true lamb, who had come to be the true and final sacrifice, was not on the table. He was among them, inviting them into this meal, sharing it with them. And that's what he does. And we see him here with his disciples as they share together a meal in which they eat and in which they drink and in which they wait. They eat. You hear what Jesus says to them. Verse 22, as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. His body that is given for us. And he gives us this picture. Jesus himself, he says, I, I am the bread. I, I am the substance of this meal. I am the thing that is going to feed you at the deepest level. The place in which your stomach is not only hungry, but your soul is hungry and longs for food to fill it. I found with our small children uh, that uh, at, there's not 15 minutes that go by in our house at any time during the day where there's not somebody who's saying, I'm hungry, uh, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And you, 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 you feed one of them and, and, and you sit down to the table and you're immediately getting up to get more food for the next one. Um, I don't know what we're going to do when they're teenagers, uh, but <laughs> they eat nonstop. And you know with small children that they're, they eat because they're growing, they're hungry. And you know that if you have a child and any length of time goes by where they are not hungry and where they don't eat a meal, you know that something has really gone wrong. And if that keeps up, you know that you need to get them to a doctor because children need to eat because they are growing and they have to thrive. They need help. They're not healthy. Something is wrong. And we are made to eat and to feed. And Jesus says we were made, above all, to eat and to feed on him. Here in this meal, he says, I am the spiritual food that you need. I am what is going to most satisfy you. And if you come to the place where you are not hungry for me, then something is wrong. Something's not right. 
something's not healthy because you were made for this food. He breaks the bread and he says, this is my body, which is for you. Verse 23, and he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is the blood, my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. See, he doesn't only give them bread, he gives them something to drink. And he says, this wine which you're drinking, he says, this is, this is my blood of the covenant. And he's hearkening back to um, what would have been very common for everyone seated at the table. They knew that when uh, a sacrifice was made, that the very life of the animal was considered to be in its blood. And when its blood is poured out, its life is poured out. And they would have remembered that when Moses was sealing God's first covenant with them, after God rescued them from Egypt and brought them to Mount Sinai, when Moses was blessing the people, he was told to take the blood of a sacrifice and to sprinkle it on the people, and that that blood was called the blood of the covenant. He said in the midst of this, he says, this, this, is, this is my blood which is being poured out for you. This is the sacrifice of me that is being spent for you. And he says it to them around this meal, which in their context would have been a family meal, because families celebrated the Passover together. And yet here's Jesus at this meal, giving them this bread, this wine, his body, his blood, with a new family. A new family that's being formed around what he says here is a, a new covenant, a new promise, a new sealing of God's love on them, a new thing that he is doing where he is consciously saying, Moses gave you the old covenant, this Passover is representative of it, but we are doing something new with this meal. And as he knows, the next day something new is going to happen as he himself, and no longer a lamb, would die for them and die for their sins and die for our sins. And as he does that, he says, this is the blood of the covenant, the new covenant, of a new promise I am making to you, that you will be my people, that I have come to purchase you for myself, and that nothing can ever wash the sanctifying, the purifying work of the blood that I will spend for you, nothing can wash that away. It is a covenant that cannot be taken away. So he says, eat and drink. But he says something else, too, in this video. He says, he says, wait. He says, wait. Back to Babette's feast for a moment. During this meal, as they are eating, there, there is a visitor to the town who is uh, tied to one, one of the people in this church and at this table from the past who's reappeared and is there for this feast. Someone who has been a soldier and out and about in the world and has spent time in Paris. And as he eats this meal, he begins to remember this once very famous restaurant in Paris called the Café Anglaise, where they had this celebrated chef. And as each dish is brought out in this mini-course meal, he said, this, this is exactly, this is the very dish that I had at this restaurant. 
And he goes on to say that there, there's, only, there's only one person that knows how to make this. And in the course of the meal, we find out that this um, housekeeper who had come to live with them 15 years ago was the chef, the head chef at this restaurant, who had to flee Paris uh, when there was political turmoil. And here for 15 years, she has been cooking their dried fish until now she has had this chance to prepare for them the meal of all meals. And as their hearts warm and open up, and as this joy comes flooding in, the, the evening ends. And the sisters come to her and, says, and say, now, now, that you have, now that you've received uh, the money from this lottery, um, when will we be saying goodbye? When will you be headed back home? And she said, I'm, I'm, I'm not leaving. And say, what, what do you mean? What about, what about this fortune? What about this 10,000 francs? And she looks at them and says, uh, the price for a dinner for 12 at Café Anglaise is 10,000 francs. You see, she had spent everything that she had won on this night, this meal, for these people, so that they could have this glimpse of real and deep and true joy. She had given everything for them. Here at this meal, Jesus says, I, I give you myself. I give you my body broken for you. I give you my blood, the blood of the new covenant, spilled for you. He comes and gives it all as well with his mind on what will happen the next day on the cross. But notice it doesn't stop here. Because in here there is also the command not only to eat and to drink, but to wait. Here on the very first motion of this darkest night of human history, do you notice that even here Jesus cannot refrain from giving them a note of hope? when he says wait because he says you see this cup he says I, I will not drink this again until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God hear what he is saying even on the very verge of his death I am giving it all but unlike the chef who is preparing this meal for this small sect of people whose hearts were being warmed. Jesus, too, gives all for them, yet not all at the very same time. Because when his 10,000 francs are spent, we find that those and more are going to be restored to him. Do you hear what he says? Their day is coming when we will drink this again together. There is hope for us. This meal is not only a gift in this night. This meal is not only a gift for us this night. This meal points beyond itself to something that is yet to come. Even on the very verge of his death. Even when we very purposely in this week stop, slow down to remember the weight of what Christ has done in his death for us. Even Christ here cannot help but say that there is more coming. Even on this dark night. There is this glimmer of light that begins to break through. Because resurrection happens 
resurrection will happen. Life really will have the, the final say. Now we're getting ahead of ourselves because we're going to talk about that at Easter. But Jesus is getting ahead of himself. He wants his disciples to know that this is not only a night to be shared, it is a glimpse of something even greater that is to come. And so when we take this meal tonight, as we will in a short while, we look back to what Jesus did here. And we think, we rightly think and meditate on the fact that he has come and put everything on the altar for us. But we come doing that at the very same time as the people who have this unquenchable hope because we do know that that is not the end of the story. And it reminds us of that here. He is coming back in the very fullness of his kingdom that we long for will come. There will be a day when we sit down with Jesus and we will have a meal with him that is not just a pinch of bread but will be the finest of meals. And it's not just a sip of wine. It will be glasses of the finest as we feast together with Him, with no more night, with no more shadow to darken our celebration. Because here in the somberness of this night, He reminds us that hope, life, and light do in fact win. Paul thinks back to this night in 1 Corinthians 5 when he says this, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the feast. And tonight, together, we keep the feast.